Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. With Domino's week-long carry-out deal, you can carry out large three-topping pizzas and now medium three-topping handmade pan pizzas for $7.99 each. It's fantastic news. Cut, cut. Puns? You mean pans? Calling all pan addicts for two layers of cheese on crispy golden crust. So grab your panty packs, because Domino's large three-topping pizzas and medium three-topping handmade pan pizzas are $7.99 each. It's pandemonium. Pan-tastico. Carry out only. You must ask for this limited time offer. Prices, participation, and charges may vary. Okay, and welcome into another duly noted podcast. Appreciate everybody for clicking on. I uh, got a lot of good, positive response last week to Robbie Andrew being on. We'll get Robbie on again, maybe as we get closer to spring football, kind of take a look at what we think about the Gators for uh, next year. A lot to talk about today. Again, we've taped this on Tuesday, so when I talk about basketball today, it'll be a, you know not knowing what's going to happen Tuesday night. Uh, but I want to start with football, and football makes the world go round, as we know around here. And certainly when you got the news last week that Florida lost two coaches, it was a little bit – look, it's never startling because, as I mentioned in my column, and, and I, I hope this thing come across as negative. I don't mean it as negative. But college football assistants especially, head coaches too. I mean, head coaches fall into this same category for the most part are just traveling salesmen. They're basically – you know, walking into a place, selling their goods, and then walking out when they have a better opportunity. Um, they're mercenaries. That's what they are. You know, Will Muschamp's the first guy that ever really said it out loud uh, as far as I, you know, dealing with me when he said I'm loyal to whoever signs my paycheck. And that's – and look, I, again, I'm not blaming him. Look, if you're the coach at – if you're the wide receivers coach – at Auburn, and you get a chance to be offensive coordinator at Tennessee. I don't know if that's ever happened, but if you if that happens, good for you. You make more money. Maybe you don't like it at Auburn. Maybe you don't like Gus Malzahn. I'm not trying to throw him under the bus, but uh, sometimes there are opportunities. Sometimes, and again, I'm not saying certainly not saying this happened with anybody here. You get told, "Hey, look, you need to find another job because we we don't agree eye to eye." That happens all the time in college football. But don't ever think that a coach who's telling you about the Gator standard and we want to do this and doing the chop and everything like that, or chomp, I should say. I don't want to, I got chop on the brain after watching the Chiefs over the weekend. Uh, doing the chomp and, and telling everybody how, how we need to pull together and be great Gators. They don't really mean that. They mean we need to play great as a team to further my career. That's what they mean. And and that's fine. Look, that's fine. It, it, it's like I've said this before. If I somebody comes to me and says, it, well, younger in my career, I'm not sure any, anybody could get me to move right now. But if, if 10 years ago somebody came to me, in fact, somebody did come to me 10 years ago and almost took another job. But when uh, somebody comes to you and says, hey, I'll give you t- – uh, 
thirty percent more than you're making. Uh, it's it's a better job. It's more it's it's more interesting, um, and you can do it for your family. And I think in most cases, uh, assistant coaches, their family, as as much as their families mean to them, they're not thinking. They're thinking in terms of furthering their careers and making it better for their family somewhere. Uh, doesn't always work out, as we know. Uh, but anyway, that's a long rant about something I'm trying to get to. But when Sal Sinceri and uh, Charlton Warren uh, announced they were leaving, both in the SEC, one to the R-Tribal, yeah, I think it, for Gator fans, it stung a little bit, especially Charlton Warren. You know, you're going to Georgia. But, but again, don't forget, Charlton Warren doesn't hate Georgia. Todd Grantham's here. Todd Grantham's a man who put his hand to his throat and told Chaz Henry he was going to F and choke, okay? All you're doing is try to win your game and do your job. You have no loyalty to the school except while you're at that school. So don't I don't let that those kind of things bother me. I just always think it's important that everybody understand that. Now, with all that said, what does Dan Mullen do? And this is another positive example uh, for people who think the, the world of Dan Mullen – Boom, steps to the plate. That ball is going to be out of here in hiring Torian Gray. You could not have – I can't imagine a better hire. I mean, Belichick wasn't available, okay? But to get a guy who knows Florida, who's been in the NFL multiple times, who's been at a high level in college at Virginia Tech, uh, had the year in in Gainesville, and picking him up. And you could see on Twitter – and again, maybe I follow Twitter too much, but it's where I I get a lot of information – you could see the Florida uh, DBs were, were pumped. They were like, hell yeah, all right. Okay, see you, Charlton. You don't get to coach the best DBs. Now, uh, Torian Gray is going to be great. That'll be great. In fact, coach Florida some of their best ones. Uh, I don't think necessarily Torian Gray made Tease Tabor great, but he certainly helped him become better. So, great hire. We'll see. Uh, again, I wouldn't be surprised if by the time I'm done with this podcast, they've hired a, uh, a defensive line coach. To replace Sinceri, and again, Sinceri gets to go coach with his son in Alabama. I, I can't blame him at all. He's been around. He's been in a lot of different places, and uh, good luck to them. But you know, not too much. But uh, so that was a, a, a good. It was actually a good finish to a because whoever they get for the defensive line coach, I'm sure he'll he'll do well. And the thing is, and I, and I don't know enough about Torian Gray as a recruiter. He's been he's had NFL experience. Certainly spent the last two years with the Redskins, uh, but you, you know he's recruited before. It's not like he's he doesn't know what recruiting's like. He chose to get back into a profession that requires uh, recruiting, um, and he uh, being a Lakeland Kathleen product, that's a that's a great sign too. Uh, all the good players that are coming out of Lakeland, you keep that pipeline going. All that's great, but. If he's just an average recruiter, it's not. It, it, I think it was more important to get a great coach. And I've always, I know this is true. There are great coaches and great recruiters, and some are, are really good at both. But not all of them are really good at both. I remember Florida had a coach leave, and I, and I asked uh, the head coach at the time about it, and he said, hey, he wasn't that good a coach anyway. He was a great recruiter. And I'm like, well, that's how you get into trouble. You get good players, you don't know how to develop them. We've seen what this guy, this staff can do with developing. I think that's a long-winded answer to something that 
Uh, probably could have been talk short, but that's what I tend to do on this show. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about my interview with Scott Strickland last week, just some some thoughts in the aftermath of that Q&A. Also, we'll get to basketball. We will talk some NFL. And um, I'm going to tell you why Alabama really looks better than I think a lot of people are willing to give them credit for. Now, that may seem crazy. Alabama was one game away from the national title but a lot of people are looking at Alabama and say, oh, they lost all these players, they lost all these coaches. I'm going to tell you why. Don't worry about Alabama. All that and more coming up after we take a break here on the Duly Noted Podcast at Gatorsports.com. The Gators are definitely on a roll under Coach Mullen, and next year should be even better. Winning is great for the program, but not for everything. Did you know what winning also does? It creates difficulty finding hotel rooms around game day. Oh, no. Most hotels triple their normal rate and charge at least two nights minimum. What? And if the Gators really start winning, everything will be sold out way in advance. No! No! Have you ever thought about owning your own place in Gainesville to use for you and your friends and family on game day weekends? Call Betsy Pepin, the top realtor in Gainesville and sponsor of the Dewey Noted Podcast at 352-226-8474. And she'll help you find that perfect place for whenever you come to Gainesville. And when you're not using the place, she'll Airbnb it and take care of all the details. Betsy makes it easy for you to enjoy game day weekends instead of paying five-star rates for a one-star motel. Own your game days next year. Call Gainesville's number one realtor, Betsy Pepin, today. 352-226-8474. Okay, welcome back to the Duly Noted Podcast. No guests today. Um... Had a couple people semi lined up and they couldn't do it, and uh, that's fine. We got a lot, a lot of stuff to talk about. We're gonna try to get somebody lined up for next week, and then, um, you know, I know, you know, some days it's good to have guests, some days it's not. Today was a day when I got a lot of things I want to talk about. One of them being the Q and A I did with Scott Strickland last week, which I'm sure many of you saw, many of you read, or you saw it on Twitter, or you saw the reaction. Uh, obviously, I was on Paul Feinbaum, Mike Bianchi show. Um, Frank Frangie, a couple of several other shows talking about it. Um, and and I th- I'm, I'm sure a lot of people are a little bit taken aback, although you should. this has been out there kind of with Scott for a while about the plan to reduce the number of uh, seats at Florida. And the reason, look, if, if you're designing your stadium or your seating capacity around the one big game a year where you can sell it out, and you can pack the place, you're, that's not good because you're going to have other games where you can't do that and people are not going to go because they don't like going to sit in your stadium. And this is what I think Scott has had shown great wisdom there, and, and Laird Veach, his, uh, uh, one of his associate athletic directors, is, is, believe me, a big part of this because he saw Florida Stadium and he couldn't understand why uh, it was so, such an uncomfortable play place the swamp is not a comfortable place it is uh, the seats are too small there there are no chair backs you can bring they have those that they sell but those aren't really comfortable it's not a real comfortable place the question is what do you do about it and of course um, one thing is as we know and as I chronicled last summer visiting fans aren't coming to games they aren't showing up when you looked at the numbers that I had in my tweet I, I don't know if you saw that 
Colorado State had more sold more tickets for their game in Gainesville than Kentucky or South Carolina. And that tells you a lot. People just don't like you don't want to go to the same place over and over and over and over and over again and people don't want to travel and they don't want to spend 80 to 100 dollars for tickets and have terrible seats and actually at florida they probably have as good a seats as they do pretty much anywhere um you just it's just people aren't doing that as much the, the world's changed the viewing habits have changed so you're what you do is you say look let's make it more comfortable for the fans and if we knock out 8,000 seats at least these, the people who are there will be more comfortable to have wider seats. More chairbacks will go in. They'll put in permanent chairbacks. And I think it's a great plan. Um, you know, what to do about student tickets. I brought up the uh, putting them in the end zone. That there's some, And my wife made a great point about this. If you put the students, which to me would be the simple answer, put the students, say your, your section is going to be in the, in the south end zone. You'll be still low. You'll be able to make a lot of noise, and it'll be like kind of like uh, the basketball arena. Um, but if she made the, a great point, well, sitting on that other side isn't that great for people because of the sun. You're looking into the sun. This is why the visitor sits over there. So I don't know if there is an easy answer there, um, but you, I don't think you need to offer up as many tickets if they're not going to come to the games um if they're going to no show or, or late show and we've seen i think it looks it's a bad look it's a bad look for tv you know how many people have, have tweeted out pictures boy nobody's here at the florida game and all they're doing is showing the student side which you know is half empty and and uh not the other if you look at the alumni side it's it's packed for every game so um that that's certainly there there are some things that they've got to still work on and i appreciate scott for giving me the time i thought it was really good stuff and we'll see what happens going forward but the one thing i do like about what scott's doing is he's being progressive he's not just saying well you know swamp's a great place hey it's great come on everybody come to the games they they've done it you know with the beer garden with some of the stuff around the stadium uh they they know that it's a different world now that it's a different level of expectation in terms of comfort it's not enough just to have good football team and there was a time obviously in the 90s especially even in the in the urban meyer um, tim tebow era where it was enough to be really good people would show people would come ray but now you've got to give people a different level of comfort and i think it's smart on their part the other thing that happened during the interview with Paul Feinbaum is he asked me about the UCF thing and I said and I what I said was uh, nobody with any respect for themselves would schedule UCF home and home and that's not what I meant to say and, and that's but you know, I said it so it's out there it isn't you can't delete um, radio right you can't there's no backspace um, what I meant to say is no power five brand with any self-respect with schedule them home and home and, they, and i agree with that i mean when i see some of these schools when i see miami playing at appy state and uh, mississippi state playing at umass and things like that that have happened in the last few years i'm just like dumbfounded why are you playing there um it doesn't make any a whole lot of sense uh, for florida to schedule i mean florida to play ucf 
in a home and home to me makes l- no sense. First of all, there's this perception that Florida is supposed to help out UCF. Forget that. The opposite should be true. Secondly, um, yeah, so they'd put their eight thousand people in the stands and for for a home game, and that'd be nice, I guess. But do, do we really care if if the visitors are filling up? The, the, the stadium or, or putting a lot of – I don't think anybody really cares. I think in a perfect world, you wouldn't have any visitors there, right? It would be all Gator fans, right? Um, and, and to go back to what I talked about with reducing the number of guaranteed tickets for the visiting fans, believe me, it, it works the other way. Florida would not get as many available, but Florida's not using them either. They're, not, they're just not using them. And I know that the, the Tennessee people made a big deal about how many tickets Florida has sent back. Tennessee had done the same thing the year before, and Tennessee will do the same thing this year. Uh, there are not going to be as many offered in the first place. Um, but, you know, I, I, I mean no disrespect for UCF. I think what they have done is tremendous. I think they've been a little bit over the top. I think some of their fans, like a lot of fans in a lot of schools, have been overly obnoxious. Um, and I think a lot of people root against them for that reason, and but it's no big deal to me. I mean, but but I'm just looking at it from a, uh, a not only a financial but a just for what's the best for your school, and that's what I said. If, if Auburn scheduled a home and home with UCF, I would think they're out of their minds, out of their minds. You know, I I don't I would not get that. Stanford I think is doing that, but Stanford. That's great for recruiting. They can put their brand in the state of Florida where you want to get players. Florida doesn't look – and that's the other thing. When you, If you're going to do a home-and-home, home, you want to play at a place that people want to go to that, hey, here's a unique site to go to. We've never been to Notre Dame. Let's schedule Notre Dame. Florida would take a home-and-home in home Notre Dame, I, I would think, with the drop of a hat to get their, their fans a chance to go see – Notre Dame. I've been there twice. It's not that great a stadium, but as as we all know, it's um, the his, history of it is tremendous, and the campus is unbelievable. Um, but to go down to Orlando, <laughs> I don't think it's that hard to get to Orlando if you uh, if you really want to go there. You can drive by the stadium. It's just a nice stadium, and um, and again, you wouldn't get eight thousand tickets. I wouldn't think there. That, what do they seat like fifty five? So. Anyway, I, my point was not to deride UCF, but UCF's not doesn't play with the big boys, and for Florida to say, "Well, we want to help them out," no, that's never going to happen. The USF thing was great, two for one. You get two home games for one. It helps fill your schedule out. The other thing is, I don't think people appreciated this when I said it, but what is the guarantee UCF's going to be any good? In five years, where you, which is where your schedule would you would schedule them five, six, seven years down the road. Just a few years ago, they were zero and twelve. I mean, this run they're on is amazing. Okay, it's tremendous, and I give them a lot of credit for. It. There's no guarantee you're not going to be saying, "Oh, by the way, in in week uh, eleven, we're playing two and eight um, UCF in Orlando," and Gator fans will be like, "I okay, I'm I'm good, I'm good on that." So anyway. That, I just wanted to clear some of that stuff up. Okay, let's move over to basketball real quick. Uh, tonight they play A&M Florida with a win. Now, when we talked last week, they, they went, went out that night and lost to Mississippi State. Another one of those games they sh- should have, could have won, but didn't. 
Uh, they sit here in uh, not great shape, but it's not as bad as you might think because the opportunities are there. Now, certainly losing Keystone hurts. Keystone is a valuable member of that team. He had not been playing very well. Uh, no field goals in SEC play until Saturday, and he looked like he was kind of coming, trying to starting to get it a little bit. Maybe it was the opposition. George is terrible, okay? Uh, but the bottom line is then he tears his ACL and he's done. And he's done for a long time. I don't know if he'll even be back, you know, early next year. Who knows when. If you remember, Bunu was the Auburn game, which was a little bit later in the season and never came back. So, But there were some complications there as well. At any rate, that means Keontae Johnson is going to have to play a lot more. They're going to have to play – they'll probably play three guards a lot more. And they'll have to figure some things out, rebounding wise and defending uh, that's a big factor is defense but you know um if you're not going where you're supposed to go it doesn't matter who's whether you're being defended or not um but here's the thing they play a&m tonight they got to get this win okay they they just need to win this game because a&m struggled all year i watched their game against uh, mizzou uh they're not a great team by any means There's, there are more um, mediocre to to I don't want to say bad teams, but there yeah, there's there's some teams in this conference. Surprisingly, number of teams that aren't very good. And again, one of them's Missouri because they lost their one of their best players to an injury. One of them's Vanderbilt because they lost their best player to an injury. I understand that, but you know they can beat you on any given night at the same time. And as we know, when you're Florida, when you play the way Florida has all year, anybody can beat you. It's possible. Here's one thing. Florida's got to figure out a way to win at home. You know, if they lose this game tonight, what will that be, three straight SEC losses at home? I, I have to look that up. That might have happened once before, but I, I can't remember it. So you, you need to just go out and find a way to win this game. I don't care if it's by one point. Win by one. That's always my motto in, in college basketball. And then it sets up your next five games are going to be huge in terms of the net rankings. Now, the net rankings, I'm not sure if, how important they're going to be. This is the new RPI that the NCAA has come up with. And in those net rankings, the teams they're going to play are all in the top 31 over the next five games. And that's huge because um, you're going to get a shot at Kentucky, which, by the way, I, uh, Kentucky is scary right now. Kentucky seems to be ahead of schedule even though they felt like it felt like they were very average in the non-conference, uh, obviously the Duke loss seemed to set them back, and they had these close games. They lost to Seton Hall, um, but they seem to have found what they're about, and that's scary right now, to be honest with you. Uh, so you get Kentucky, you got LSU, which they're 14th in the net rankings. Uh, Auburn's 23rd, Ole Miss 25. TCU's 31. Florida, by the way, is at 35. Believe it or not, Florida is ahead of FSU in these net rankings. Again, I don't know how they get them. I don't know how they derive them. And they may be a big deal, and this may be what what they're using, but uh, nobody's really sure. Nobody knows has a good feel for what what they're about. Um, So, you know, Florida is the only team in the top 35 – in these net rankings, that has three home losses, so they got to they've got to figure out a way to win these home games. I mean, the, the the model or the formula that I think a lot of people use for winning in college basketball or getting into the tournament 
which is all it's about. Look, Florida's not winning the SEC this year, okay? Tennessee's really good, as you know. Uh, they, they're beatable. Florida had, had them, had a chance. Alabama had a chance the other day on Saturday. But Tennessee's really good. Kentucky's really good. And then there's some other teams out there that are that are pretty good. And Florida's pretty average right now. Um, but if you can get a few of these big wins, which they really don't have, like Butler's their biggest win. West Virginia's been struggling all year. Uh, they've got their, their losses are great. Michigan State's fifth in those um, net rankings. Oklahoma's thirtieth. So, you know their losses have, are are pretty good. Their wins aren't great, and you need a couple of those. You need a signature win. Whether it's you know, I mean, even beating eating a team like LSU or, or or Auburn right now would be a huge win for them. So, it's like I said. And I know that Mike White is not a believer in going to his team and saying, hey, guys, here's what we need to do to get to the tournament. They got enough on their minds that he can't seem to get through to them on in terms of scouting report and here's what this and this is what we do on this defense. And when we go to the zone press, here's what you need. He's not worried. They'll figure that. They figure that kind of stuff out on their own. Um, But – there's almost a part of me, if they get the A&M win, I would go into that locker room go, great job, here's what we did right, here's what we did wrong, uh, practice uh, tomorrow or what, they probably have tomorrow off. Uh, here, Guys, it's all out there in front of you. If you want to play meaningful games in the month of March, it's up to you and it's right there. The path is there. It's not like... There's no, how are we going to get our RPI or in this case our, our net ranking up? How are we going to get it high? Win. It's quite simple. Win. I'm being Talia Shire in Rocky Two. Win. That's all you got to do. Go win some game. Not all of them. You're not going to probably probably not going to sweep these next five. Win. That's all you need to do. All right. I'm going to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk about some college football. Um, believe it or not, um, I already lo- I've already started looking at the opening games for next week. I'm a college football nut. So I'm going to talk a little bit about that. Also, we'll get into the NFL, why this pass interference thing is going to be the topic of conversation for two weeks until we get to the Super Bowl and maybe after it. And uh, it's a real Pandora's box. There's a good cliche right there. We'll take a break on the Duly Noted Podcast at Gatorsports.com. At ViStar, we believe in better, especially in helping build a better financial future for our members. So we've reviewed our offerings from the ground up. We've lowered or eliminated over half our fees and enhanced our already competitive rates. Saving members more than a million dollars this year, in addition to the millions we save them every year. If you believe that saving money is better, join ViStar. We never forget that it's your money. All loans subject to approval, insured by NCUA. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, first of all, welcome back to the... um 
to the shoe. You know, I'm I'm hoping we're going to keep going right through spring football. Um, but I, I'll be bl- brutally honest, my knee is killing me. My other knee, it's unbelievable that I finally get this knee. My other, my left knee's feeling pretty good. It's still a little sore every once in a while. You sit with it along, but then all of a sudden the right knee just went d- dead. Right right before the peach bowl and there was a lot of sitting at the peach bowl and knee bent and uh turns out my um kneecap is just way out of place they've got me in a brace to try to hold it into place uh but i may in the next few weeks end up going back under the knife and if that happens obviously there'll be an interruption and um we'll we'll let you know we'll we'll keep you informed on exactly what's going to happen there i'm having a good day today and that's reason for optimism doesn't mean I'm going to have a good day tomorrow. You probably really don't care about my knee. All right. Uh, but anyway, I was looking at the college football for the first week, and, and I was I was like, wow. Remember that? What was it, two years ago? We had the most unbelievable – you know, we were talking about it the whole summer, that this first Saturday, Sunday, Monday of college football season is going to be unbelievable. Oh, it's going to set the tone. We're going to overreact. This year, not so fast, my friend. This year, it's a little bit different. Um, Auburn-Oregon, I think, is the best game. Of course, Florida-Miami is is huge. Uh, it's good that they've got Georgia at Vanderbilt. At least, of course, Georgia will have all the fans there. I don't know if Vandy's going to be any good. And see, I mean, to see uh, Coach Mack back at North Carolina playing against South Carolina, it's watchable. You, you, look, Monday's game is Notre Dame at Louisville. Sorry, I fell asleep there for a minute. Uh, there is Georgia Tech Clemson on Thursday night. I, I I don't even know if I want to watch that. I mean, obviously, as we get closer, I want to watch it. It's kind of disappointing that college football is not giving us uh, great games to start the season. But, hey, we're going to still talk a lot about it. Uh, but I did mention Alabama, and, and, you know, it's like sometimes you're kind of glancing at something and you see that there is a um, – Somebody had the schedules up on the on the TV screen. You go, what? Whoa, wait a minute. And Cole Kubelik brought this to my attention. Of course, Cole's been on this show before. He's a great guy um, and uh, works for the SEC Network about how Alabama's not going to be challenged this year, he said. And I'm like, what? Wait, wait. What What does their schedule look like? They're, home, they're uh, non-conference games. Duke, who – Duke had a really good year, and I think Dave Cutcliffe is one of the great coaches in college football, but they can't play with Alabama, even if they had their quarterback, but Jones is going to the NFL. Uh, that will be an absolute you know, route. It will just be awful. It will be terrible. And they got New Mexico State. That will be competitive. Western Carolina and Southern Miss. So, they're not going to be challenged in the non-conference. There are away games, which I always look at, at South Carolina, <laughs> at Texas A&M. Okay, there's one at Mississippi State. I don't think so. At Auburn, I, personally, I don't think so. So obviously, you got LSU at home, but um, I mean, they're probably going to be sitting there twelve and zero. Even with all the losses, even with all the players they lost, even with all the coaches they lost, they're probably going to be sitting there twelve and zero playing whoever from the other side. I don't know who it'll be. I'm going to give you my predictions in a minute, but it really worked out. The schedule works out great for them. All right, 
I got to talk a little bit about the NFL. I like to talk mostly college football and college basketball and eventually college baseball on this show. But uh, obviously what we saw Sunday was spectacular. Um, it was really a great, what, do you, what would it be, seven hours of football? Uh, first one started at three. I think it got over around ten, yeah, seven hours or so of football. Uh, tense in intense intense in ten cities. It was unbelievable, uh, but marred obviously by the officiating and some official mistakes that were made. And obviously, look, the, the the late hit on Brady was one of the worst calls I've ever seen. But it will never be the worst call I've ever seen because I've seen the worst call I ever saw. And I was rooting for the Rams, and even I was embarrassed. Even I was like, "You can't, you can't call, you know, that. What are you going to do with that non-interference call? It was just brutal, and the guy looking right at it. That's what I didn't get. But but forget about the competence of the officials. Okay, forget about it. Because officials make mistakes. That's why we have all these replays, why we have all these reviews. I think it's become cumbersome in college basketball. Uh, I think college basketball is ruining its own sport with all the stoppages in play to see if a guy nicked a guy in the, in the ear uh, so we can call it a flagrant foul. Um, if you didn't see a flagrant foul, it, you, you don't need to stop to, to make sure. And I would say 90% of the flagrant foul stoppages are not flagrant. So you're doing it too much. Anyway, I, I, I can talk about that for an hour. But now there's all this talk. And, of course, the NFL is looking at the possibility of making pass interference plays challengeable. Um, I think they would be making a huge mistake. Do not – this is – the rule of thumb should be for everybody – Never overreact to one play because it on, I would say, a majority of plays where guys are hand fighting, you could call interference sometimes either way. And are we going to get to that point? It's too – look, that play was terrible, okay? That play was awful. And I think what they need – like last week I told you how – I, they need me to be the onside kick coach. Any team wants to call me, I'm available. I know when to do an onside kick and when not to. C- these these coaches getting paid millions of dollars have no clue on it. Today I'm going to tell you the what co- the NFL needs is a fixer. They need a fixer in the booth. And that fixer, when there is an egregiously bad call, needs to step in and go, wait, guys, you blew this one. We need to fix this. Not, I had to look at it under four different angles, and I'm not sure. I think he may, didn't get, you know, no, not that. I'm talking about, I saw it with my own eyes. That's the worst call I've ever seen. I looked at it once to make sure it was a terrible call. I'm fixing that call. Now that, to me, would seem to be an easy solution. The problem, of course, you would say, well, wait a minute. Why didn't he fix that call? That was a mistake. It To me, it would have to be egregious. It would have to be something like that. It would have to be something like, um, you know, a uh, uh, ball went through a guy's hands and they didn't challenge it. Something like that. I don't know. It, there, you'd have to have a list of plays that could be called. Like if a guy takes a swing and, and the referees don't see it. That kind of thing. The fixer. 
I've offered the NFL so many solutions this year, but that's what I'm here for. All right. Uh, I And I also wondered this. Is because every big NFL game, doesn't it seem like we're talking about the officials after the game? And first of all, they should make that official available to a pool reporter. I don't think there's any question. I think they're they're missing the boat on that. But after every game, it feels like we're sitting there going, "Man, that one well, that one call changed the game." Or that is it because we're all watching. I mean, it was what the second biggest, highest rated in the last thirty years. The second game was, and I know where I was at a local establishment. We had a blast because everybody was so into the game, and you kept you you would hear about every eight minutes you hear somebody go, "Oh," and, and everybody go to that. You know, it was like you're on one side or the other. Except everybody was there to hate. Everybody there hated the Patriots. Okay, there was a couple people that didn't. But anyway, it just seems like there are a lot of bad calls, and I think maybe it's just because we know that, that some of these things are probably happening in the college game, and some are happening in regular season NFL games, and we just kind of gloss over it. Eh, it would, well, it's not the end of the world. It's not like it was a playoff game. But in the playoffs, we're all watching, and we're all looking. You know, like in, in, in the regular season, you're, all you care about is your fantasy team. You get to that, it's a little different story. That's my theory, and I'm sticking to it. All right, one more quick little break here, and then we will return with three things I know you've been waiting for. I got a good one today. may take a little longer, so um, we'll try to get to 40 minutes for you guys. I know a lot of you on your workouts and drives and everything like to get about a a good 40-minute workout in. So uh, we'll get to that when we return on the Duly Noted Podcast at Gatorsports.com. It's time for three things. Number one, uh, big thanks, big shout out. Um, I, uh, you guys, I know probably get tired of me talking about my golf tournament. Uh, we've never been in the shape we're in now, basically sold out. Uh, but this week we got two huge things in, uh, way ahead. Of, we're so far ahead of schedule. Uh, first of all, to Matt Garvey from the Chick Fil A Peach Bowl. Uh, very nice what they sent us. I mean, very, very, very nice. Don't want to get into too much detail, but um, it's certainly going to be a big factor for our tournament. And I will tell you, the Peach Bowl people, from the day we walked in the hotel to the day we walked out, was one of, probably it might might have been my favorite bowl game to ever cover. Just the way they treated you, it was spectacular. And um, I know the players and the coaches all felt the same way, but they just. Uh, Went up another notch in my book because of what they sent, the package that came. I was amazed, amazed. And also to Rob Stecklow. I don't know Rob. We've communicated only through email. He's from He works for Verizon up in Charlotte. He's a big-time Verizon guy. And uh, I'm a Verizon guy too. Not I'm not plugging Verizon, Verizon but uh, maybe I am. Uh, the, last year he listened to the podcast and wanted to volunteer stuff. What he gave us was blew me away. What he gave us, it came actually on Martin Luther King Day, which I didn't know anybody was working, but the FedEx was working. And when that came, I was just blown away again. It's amazing the stuff that he sent us. Uh, Rob, if you're listening to this podcast, I owe you about 97 beers. You can take them incrementally when you come down here sometime for a game. 
You don't have to drink them all at once. But just in, uh, really incredible what people have done. And again, anybody out there that wants to be part of this in terms of helping out, donating, becoming a sponsor, anything like that, we're here. You know how to get a hold of me. It's not hard. Uh, number two. All right. So today I'm sitting there and I'm just, my mind is wandering and I'm thinking about what will be my all SEC ballot in Hoover. Uh, hopefully I'll be there. Hopefully the way I time this knee operation does not interfere with that. I don't want it to. I've thought about waiting until after the tournament and that would probably take me out of SEC media days, but that's one reason I don't want to do it then. Anyway, I started jotting down what would be my OSCC ballot now. Now it can change a hundred times. But here's what I came up with. Alabama one in the in the West, A and M two and LSU three. And I don't think I think that is the way it's gonna be. Because I think A and M what they've done recruiting wise and what we saw them do last year, I think almost everybody's gonna have A and M ahead of LSU. Maybe There'll be a, some jostling. It could be close. LSU could be two and A&M three. And then I think Auburn four. Uh, and then you kind of get to, well, you're just filling in the ballot, right? See, I, I don't have a feel for how good Auburn's going to be next year. I think they're going to be like they've been. And if they're like they've been, that may be it for Gus Malzahn. But I had Mississippi State five, uh, Ole Miss six, and Arkansas seven. Now Arkansas got a big transfer and they had a great recruiting class, surprisingly good recruiting class. They might be a little better. That may be the, the, a surprise team this year. But it, for Arkansas, what would be a – wow, well, they turned it around. They, that's a big surprise. Seven and five? I think we'd all be stunned with that after the year they had last year. And in the east, I have Georgia, Florida. Again, going back to uh, what I've said before, I think Florida's roster is better than it was a year ago. The roster they have right now is better than the roster that played in the Peach Bowl. When you look at the recruiting that they've done, uh, they've developed those guys uh, to be better, to get better, um, who were incoming freshmen last year. They've got another full year with this group. The guys understand what they're about, understand the physicality, understand what they was requiring in the weight room. They've added nice pieces, um, you know, including a transfer, including getting Marco Wilson back. All that stuff, and really didn't lose anything coaching-wise. In fact, probably, depending on who they hire for the defensive line, might have upgraded in the, in the coaching side of it. I, I think Florida's a team to beat, and I've got Tennessee third, believe it or not. I've got a feeling about Tennessee. I think they've made strides. Uh, I think a lot of good things have happened for them during the offseason. i got a feeling Tennessee's going to be like an 8-4 and four team this year. Now, between now and Hoover, I could totally change. Uh, and again, I need to talk to my Tennessee hack buddies and find out what they think. Uh, number uh, four, Kentucky. A little drop-off this year for Kentucky. Just a feeling. Lost a lot of really good players. And it's a little bit harder to reload at Kentucky than it is at some places. And then South Carolina. If South Carolina finishes fifth, if South Carolina is like 6-6 six and six and goes to Birmingham Bowl, I mean – are I don't think Will Muschamp would be in trouble, do you? No, I, I think they're kind of uh, – South Carolina fans kind of accept their fate. We're never going to be great. The closest we ever are going to get to being great was when Spurrier was here and he had it going. They won 11 games three years in a row. But even then, uh, they weren't great. You know, they were playing in the outback and, you know, 
Did play in the SEC championship game once. Got destroyed. Uh, and then Missouri, which Missouri sixth is crazy how good they've been. But I think Drew Locke was a, is a difference maker. And then I have Vandy seventh because somebody's going to be seventh. Now, when I did this, I looked at it and I went, hey, I think the East is better than the West. Well, the East was better than the West last year. The East won nine games against the West last year. Maybe we're seeing the shift. Just because Alabama's, you know, the best team in the conference and barely the best team in the conference, as we all know, just because they are doesn't mean that side is better. Would you take, for example, would you take Kentucky, South Carolina, Missouri, Vandy, or Auburn, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, Arkansas? Those are the bottom four I have in each division. All right, you think about that. And while you're thinking about that, think about how the Hall of Fame – uh, vote will come out tonight. Uh, no, I don't think there are going to be any real surprises. I think the steroid guys are still out. Uh, I would love it if Fred McGriff and Andrew Jones got in, but I don't think they will. I know they're going to be on a lot of ballots, but not enough. Um, but that's just the. I'm not sure they're. I'm not sure they're deserving. Uh, but the inter- more interesting thing is, you know, this now they have the 16 member committee that writes wrongs, I guess, and got Harold Baines in this year, which. I haven't studied Harold Baines' career enough to know. He doesn't feel like a Hall of Famer to me. But how many of these guys like McGriff, like Andrew Jones, eventually can get in with that committee? Um, I don't understand baseball in that way. Basically, you're saying we have a vote. We have all these Baseball Writers Association, serious votes. It's a big deal. We make a big deal of it. Eh, you kind of missed on a couple, so we're going to come back and do it again. <laughs> baseball is a weird sport the other thing to watch for tonight that I'm curious about and you'll know probably when you're listening to this did Mariano Rivera get unanimously voted in and I can tell you he likely almost 100% will not because nobody ever does Babe Ruth did not Okay, there were 11 people who didn't vote for Babe Ruth let's see all time home run hitter changed the game um was also a really good pitcher for a while. Now nah, I'm gonna put uh, yeah, I'm gonna put this guy in here, Lefty Brazinowitz, because uh, he was really nice to me. I I don't know. I I can't explain that. I can't explain 23 people not voting for Willie freaking Mays. Okay, I almost said a different word there. 23 said no, Willie. No, you're not in the Hall of Fame. Nine people didn't put Hank Aaron in. I want to go to their houses right now and throw eggs at them. Ken Griffey actually was, a, I think, no, Seaver or Griffey. One of those two was the closest to getting. They had three or four people didn't vote. In one case, a guy didn't turn his ballot in. Uh, another case, a guy had open heart surgery and forgot, left left him off the ballot or something. Anyway, I don't it, it, look. If you're listing the greatest players of all time, Mariano Rivera, in my opinion, doesn't make the top ten. He might be in the second ten. So if he's the first one to break through that barrier, I'm not sure that's that great. But uh, baseball voters have always been cranky. All right, that's enough. I've talked long enough. I hope you guys have enjoyed it. Um, I, I didn't even get to the whole Miami game thing. I was going to talk about to start the season next year. I'll save it. I'll save it for next week. I have some strong opinions on that. So we'll always talk some football on here. And and, uh, obviously we'll be talking a lot of basketball next week as well. 
and look forward to everybody uh, clicking us on. It's it's a real pleasure on my part to bring this to you, and we'll try to continue. We'll see how far we can go. Again, see about the knee. Um, you know, it's it's frustrating. Getting old is not for the faint of heart, but hopefully. It beats the alternative, so let's hope hope that continues. That's going to do it for today's show. Thank you so much for everybody. Again, to Matt Carvey and Rob Stecklow, I appreciate you guys so much and everybody else who contributes to the Bob Dooley. And you will get plugs on this show if you contribute prizes. We're not above shameless plugs, I can tell you that. Uh, until next time, I'm Pat Dooley. I'm the sports columnist of the Gainesville Sun. I am deep, I am way back, and I am out of here. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.